Podcast Answer Man, episode number 250. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and this is the podcast about podcasting, helping you take your show to the next level. It doesn't matter if you're a brand new podcaster, if you have been podcasting for many years, or you haven't quite yet recorded that first episode. There's something we can all do to take our show to the next level. That's right, my friends. Episode number 250. Wow. I am so delighted to be celebrating yet another milestone here in my podcasting career. My my literally my favorite podcast that I produce is the one that is about helping spread the great awesomeness that is podcasting to the world, helping people, inspiring people to create content and inspiring people who are already creating content to take their content and their business, their brand, their mission and message and purpose in life to the next level. That's what podcasting uh, is all about for me and that's what podcasting uh, here in Podcast Answer Man is all about. Today, I have a very lengthy, a very lengthy social media segment with my great friend Eric J. Fisher. Uh, he is standing by and he and I are going to have a wonderful conversation about th- about 35, 40 minutes worth of conversation about Pinterest. And the question is, should podcasters be interested in Pinterest? And the answer is yes, and you'll find out why. But before we do that, I want to start things off with a quick shout out, a random plug of the week to my good friend, James Queso, who just launched his very first podcast episode. He wasn't completely 100% satisfied with the audio quality that he had. He didn't um, you know, put all the music and all the jingles and all that fancy stuff that he had hoped to get into it. But one thing he did is he made a commitment that said, by such and such date, I will have published my first episode and he put it out there. And I just want to say congratulations to Jim Queso for doing that. It is the Crimson Cord podcast. You can find that at crimsoncord.org. That's C-R-I-M-S-O-N-C-O-R-D.org. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And just congratulations to you, Jim. And by the way, just as full disclosure and just as an awesome note aside, uh, Jim Queso is also a member of the podcast Mastermind. Hey, real quick, uh, another announcement I want to share with you is I had a phone call from my good friend and uh, also the CEO and co-founder of Blog World, Rick Calvert. And uh, Rick and I had a really great conversation. Some things I won't quite share just right yet. But uh, one thing that has been confirmed is that I have been invited to speak 
at BlogWorldNYC and BlogWorldLA here in 2012, which by the way, a personal invitation to speak at those two events was one of my 14 goals that I had set for myself in 2012 and that came true this past Friday. So uh, just a shout out and thank you to Rick Calvert for the invitation and a quick note to you guys that I'm going to NYC and that's going to be held here on Uh, June 5th, 6th, and 7th. If you go to podcastanswerman.com, you'll see on the right-hand side, you'll uh, an image that says, I'm speaking at Blog World NYC 2012. You can click that. It is an affiliate link, by the way. That if you click that, you can sign up and attend as well. And I happen to know that there are many podcast mastermind members that are also going to Blog World NYC. So I'm looking forward to having uh, time to get to see all of those friends that we're becoming very close with one another uh, in person, face to face. But here's the deal. I'm also going to be hosting a meetup in NYC. Now, I don't have all the details set up for that just yet. I'm going to try to get a good feel for when the most people, because not everybody's going to come for the full three days. But, uh, you know, I, I do encourage you, if you can if you can pull it off and you can attend for the three days, it's worth it. It really is. Uh, Blog World NYC led to some really amazing uh, things for me personally and my brand professionally. Uh, it obviously led to me attending Blog World LA, which uh, led to a lot of other extremely awesome things, not to mention gave me the opportunity to go up and see Leo Laporte last year, which even opened up further things. So these events are what you get out of, you get out of them, what you go and put into getting out of them. And so I, I highly encourage you to at least think about it and just know that in the future I will be announcing a meetup in NYC uh, for just anyone in the gspn.tv slash podcast answer man community and certainly uh, the podcast mastermind. So we're going to have a great time. Blog World NYC, June 5th, 6th, and 7th. Please go to my site and register today if you haven't registered already. Speaking of meetups, I happen to have a call from JD that I'm going to play right now. So JD, take it away, my friend. Hey, Cliff. This is JD from ChristianMusicDigest.com. Just had a quick question for the podcast answer man. Um, I have a question regarding meetups on how to go about organizing and putting one together for your community and uh, if you have any ideas on uh, activities or things that might go on during a meetup. If you have any feedback regarding any of that, I would really be interested in hearing that. So thanks for everything. Bye-bye. All right, JD, thank you so much for the question. And I've done a lot of meetups uh, with the podcasting community that I have built over the years. I've done, you know, we had the Lost podcast and I've had specific Lost related meetups. Um, We've had meetups where we met in our home. People came and literally sat in our living room. We've had as many as like 20 to 30 people in our small little tiny living room watching our television as we watched Lost together, whether it be a season premiere or a season finale, or uh, we actually rented out an entire restaurant at the uh, at the Hilton. No. Yeah. The Hilton Hotel. We took the entire restaurant and we had people from all over the world come to uh, northern Kentucky and literally uh, had a series finale party. Uh, that was awesome. 
I've had I've had community meetups. I, I had one community meetup this past summer where there was no specific reason other than the fact that, hey, we're a community and we're inviting people to come over. And so just come and hang out for a day or two. And we had that and that was pretty good. But I certainly think that there needs to be a little bit more of a if you're going to do a, a multi-day kind of deal, there needs to be a little bit more preparation of of events and stuff like that. And it was originally going to be a cookout, but the weather was lousy. And and so you have to really think about weather permitting. What are you going to do? If you know What backup plan if that doesn't work out? Those kind of things need to be well uh, thought out. Um, I've also had a lot of meetups where I might be going to, let's say, Chicago, New York City, Los Angeles, or maybe even Petaluma, California. And in all of those places and more I've gone to, I've held um, meetups. I just told people, hey, I'm going to have I'm going to be in town. I would love to just schedule a time. And if people want to come, I'm going to be at this place. I would love to meet you and get to know you face to face and introduce you to other people that I've gotten to know online and introduce you to each other. And chances are you might even know each other already through the GSPN community. And now you can actually meet each other face to face. Um and I've had those and they've been a huge success as well. A um, couple things that I wrote down ahead of time here is number one, you need to determine the purpose for your meetup. Uh, know ahead of time, why do we want to get together? Is it just sh- social time? Is it, is it to, um, to accomplish a goal? You know, are you going to put, maybe even put a purpose, like for example, one of the things that we're going to do is a uh, 2013 gspn.tv community cruise. And this is going to be huge. And the purpose of this is mainly social, but also I'm looking for the adding an additional purpose to that as as far as training for people who have brands. You know, even people who are in the community who maybe work for a company, they can still have uh, the benefit of maybe learning something about building an online community, using social networking to build a brand and stuff like this. And I happen to know that there are many people from the Podcast Answer Man community who I believe should sign up for this cruise because they're going to be there might be as many as 40 to 100 people from the gspn.tv community who have been very heavily involved, heavily engaged in our community. And I'm going to ask some key people from the community at large to get involved in a panel discussion and it's all and and the panel is going to be behind a uh, you know the, a table, but the thing is is they're not going to come prepared with something to share with you. Instead, there's going to be the audience is going to be able to ask questions of the panel. You know, what was it that drew you in? How did you first find out? Um, you know, why is it that, you know, you find yourself willing to come to a uh, sign up for a cruise and pay all this money just to meet people that you've never seen face to face or whatever the case may be? I think this is going to be amazing. So what is the purpose for uh, your meetup? Then once you have the purpose and you understand what you're going to do, you choose the date, the time and the location. And my recommendation Mostly you're going to have to work this around what works for you, but you also need to take into account what's also going to work for your audience of who you want to be there. Uh, But ultimately, you're going to have to you're going to have to narrow it down to a specific day, a specific time, a specific location. Then, of course, you need to set up an event. and, And when you find the location, you need to make sure that you can reserve it. Is there going to be a cost to reserve this space? Are there going to be certain requirements such as a certain food purchase that's going to be made or something like that in a location? You'll need to work through all of those details. 
And then once you have all that set up, then you can set up an event registration page. So you can send people to a place to go RSVP. Because, And I definitely strongly encourage an RSVP system so that you can be prepared ahead of time to know who to look for. You know, for example, I've had meetups where we meet in a park and we hang out for a half hour, but then we're going to move on to another place to yet, yet to be determined. And so we want to make sure that we know it's like, oh, well, so-and-so didn't come yet. And you, on the RSVP, get more than just their email address and their name. Ask for their cell phone number um, and ask for their Twitter ID. Multiple ways that you can be contacting them uh, should you be looking through the attendee list, taking attendance and finding out people weren't there. It's like, hey, we're moving on. Uh, we just want to let you know. Also, you want to communicate to those people how they can contact you. You want to be able to provide them with some information. My recommendation is not to make your phone number public, but once you have everybody registered, then you can send a private message to or an email to each of those individuals with your phone number saying, should you not be able to uh, attend, um, you know, number one, let me know beforehand. But if you, that t- day, you know, if you need to contact us and find us where, you know, find us where we are at that moment in time, give me a call on this phone number and I will uh, tell you where you can find us. So those are some things. Uh, event registration. I've had great success with two services. One, eventbrite.com and number two, Facebook events. Both of those have worked extremely well for me. And then my recommendation is make sure that you show some love for your community. Spend time not just with one or two people, but try to to make the rounds. Uh, understand that um, you know as a community leader, um, you know a lot of people are going to be coming there specifically to see you or the other people associated with you know your brand. Um, but also try to see if you can't plug those people into relationship with each other. But just make sure everybody feels welcomed. Um, and for me, this is this is a very draining thing personally, but it's something that I also love so much that I think it's worth all the energy it takes to try to make sure everybody feels the love. And so, um, yeah, I think those are my tips for you, JD. And uh, if anybody else has some tips, go to podcastanswerman.com forward slash 250 and uh, for episode 250 and leave your comments in the comment section. All right, one more question, and then we're going to get over to our social media segment because we've got a big one today. David, take it away. Hey, Cliff. This is David from Perth in Australia, and I've got a question for the podcast Answer Man. Now, recently you have been doing a lot, a lot of interviews uh, with your podcast Answer Man episodes, and I'm sure you've uh, been focusing on interview techniques, etc., quite a bit just of late. So... In my podcast, which is called Dyslexia Thinking Positive, and that can be found at dd3.tv, I would say over the next 10 to 12 episodes, I have a a, a minimum of four interviews that I'm going to need to uh, undertake. Now, previously, I used to interview people for a magazine I owned, but uh, in that situation, you could rewrite what they said and paraphrase and change all sorts of things but uh with a with a uh, podcast interview that can't be done uh, what they say they say and you're stuck with it so i would like some hints and advice please on how best to prepare for an interview and how to undertake the interview so that ideally you end up with some really good working material 
you've got the answers to the questions that you want and you have enough to actually have a, a decent interview uh, process as part of the show. If you could give me some of your wisdom, that would be wonderful. Thank you very much, and I really appreciate the work that you've been doing. Bye-bye. All right, David, thank you so much. And by the way, David Dell, yet another member of the Podcast Mastermind and have been enjoying getting to know him on a much deeper level uh, there. So great question. Uh, interviews, I've done a lot of interviews out of... By the way, I'm almost... I know I've I'm I'm reached a major milestone here, 250 episodes for Podcast Answer Man, but I am at almost 3,000 episodes of my own content um, uh, coming up soon. I, matter of fact, let me just real quickly pull up episode guide and uh before today 2859 episodes that are available online so it's been a been a while uh but anyway out of those there's been a lot of interviews and here's a couple key things that i will share with you david and with everyone else that is to number one know what you want from the interview ahead of time specifically why is this person going to be on your show? Not just because they're cool and you'd met them and you think that they would be great to talk to, but specifically what information does this person have that is of value to your to your community and how are you going to get it out of that person? Think about that ahead of time. If you go to podcastanswerman.com slash Leo interview, podcastanswerman.com slash Leo interview, by far, Hands down, the single best interview I've ever done in my lifetime is that interview I did with Leo Laporte. Podcastanswerman.com slash Leo interview. Anyway, in that one, I knew in my mind, and by the way, that happened at the spur of the moment. Uh, It was not scheduled. But I had always known if I ever had the opportunity to interview Leo Laporte, there are some things that I would definitely want to get out of that interview. I would want my audience to learn from Leo because I know this to be a fact that even though Leo says the future's in video, the streaming and and blah, 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 I know for a fact that actually uh, at least 70% of his income comes from all his audio podcasts and the, the income that comes in from his video is actually from the downloaded video, not the live streaming. And the other thing is Leo's been very famous around the world for saying that podcasting is dead. I know that Leo Laporte does not necessarily believe those words, but those are the words that everybody hears. And so I I specifically said, I want to get Leo Laporte on record for saying that podcasting is not dead and that it is something that if people want to get into it, there is a way to succeed. And I wanted to Leo, Leo Laporte to actually tell people, what do you think it takes to succeed in creating a brand online and creating an audio podcast? And it's much along the lines of what I knew would be along the lines of what I thought. And I got every single bit of that in that interview because I knew ahead of time. So know ahead of time what you want to get out of the interview. And then you, because if you know the destination you're going for, even if there's, you know, a little side tracking, a little side road here, a little side road there, you can always get back on the main highway and drive to that destination. That, my friends, is the biggest tip of all. Number two, attempt to only interview talkative people if possible. Um, I have certainly had my share of interviews where I got on the phone with somebody and and I or Skype with somebody and I asked them, you know, so tell me a little bit more about your favorite vacation place, Barbados. 
cricket, cricket, cricket. It's like, seriously, I, I just asked you this leading question so that you could go on and on and on. And they don't. They, it's just like they answer every question as short and as sweet and succinctly as possible. And it drives me crazy. So I, I, I do prefer doing interviews with people who are talkative, people I know that you can just go on and on. And I'd prefer somebody that I have to reel in than to somebody that I have to dig things out of. So just a little tip. If you can know that ahead of time, it, it, it's very helpful. Uh, number three is uh, prepare your questions ahead of time and potentially offer them to your interviewee. Um, I am notorious for not always doing this, but I am doing this more and more now. It's a very good courtesy. I'm I'm oftentimes, I, I usually do somewhere between one to three interviews per week for other people's shows. And I, I would say about 90% of the time, nobody tells me what they're gonna ask me ahead of time. That's okay, I'm a talkative person. I can talk about anything as long as it's related to podcasting, building a business online, social media, uh, technology, or or building a community online. Uh, those kind of things I can talk about, and, and even ministry-related stuff. But you know, it, it does help. It's nice to know what questions they're going to ask you, so you can kind of kind of prepare yourself for the kind of stories you might share to emphasize what they're trying to get out of you. All right, what you know, what is the what is it that they want out of me to share with their audience, and then I can prepare ahead of time what stories I might share. Otherwise, I'm just going to have to wait for quick recall to come right to my mind, which is usually not a problem for me, but for some other people, it'd be nice if they had some opportunity to prepare. So prepare your questions ahead of time and also provide them to your interviewee. And the next one is, um, David, you said that, you know, in the newspaper days, you could actually kind of use bits and pieces and portions of their interviews, but in audio, you're kind of stuck with what they give you. Not the case. Not the case at all. In fact, you have just as much freedom with the audio interview uh, as everything else. You you do not have to use everything they give you. Now, even in audio, I could ask somebody say, you know, so tell me what you think about Twitter. And that person could say, I am not a fan of Twitter. And I could literally say in, in post-production and put, and I could publish. Now, this would be very bad. Inte- this would be lack, complete lack of integrity. But it is entirely possible for the people who are listening to the episode where I would actually ask that person, so so tell me what you think about twi- Twitter. And what they will hear as a response is, I am a fan of Twitter. I am a tr- fan of Twitter. And all I have to do is edit out, edit out the word not. And all of a sudden, so tell me what you think about Twitter. I am a fan of Twitter. I can make them say something completely opposite of what they said. So I wouldn't do that. But... I'm just saying you can do everything in an audio podcast that you can do in written. In fact, you could actually you, you could actually eliminate all if you wanted to take the time to do it, you could eliminate all the original ways that you phrased questions and you could re-record the way you asked the question. Um, you could you could you could actually take an answer that they gave you to uh, a question later and put it at the beginning and 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 fit things out. You could do I, I, the point here is that you can do everything in audio that you could do in, in written text. There's, I really believe there's very little difference whatsoever. You could choose to own You could have had a 40 minute interview and you could actually use none of the original questions that you asked or as far as the audio of those questions, but you could say, and next I asked David how he felt about Twitter. And this is what he had to say. I am not a fan of Twitter. 
But then I asked David and, and, and then David went on to tell me this, 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 and this. And the most intriguing thing is when he talked about his love for Facebook fan pages. And this is what David had to say. And then boom, cut to 20 second clip about where he talked about that. You have so much freedom, but use that freedom with integrity. With much power comes much responsibility. Now, I'll tell you what, I could go on and on. Uh, My good friend Pat Flynn from over at smartpassiveincome.com recently, just this week, put out a blog post titled Top 10 Tips for Conducting an Exceptional Interview. Anyway, I'm going to let you go ahead and check out that article on Pat's site. I'll be sure to put a link to that article for the top 10 tips for conducting excellent interviews. Just go over to podcastanswerman.com slash 250 and there'll be a link to what uh, Pat has to say. And I hope that really helps you out there, David. And uh, I'll tell you what, we're going to now turn things over to our social media correspondent, Eric J. Fisher. Eric, what do you have for us this week? Well, this week we're going to talk about the hottest social networking site on the block these days. Everyone's talking about it. It's Pinterest. So my question, Eric, is should podcasters be interested in Pinterest? Anybody who has a brand should be interested in Pinterest. Uh, You and I were talking right as this was like making mainstream news. It was Mm -hmm. seemed to be every single day somebody was talking about Pinterest, whether it be Mashable in a story or just you just randomly hear people bring up this topic of this thing called Pinterest and you get all these invites. And I'm like, what the heck is this thing? Well, yeah. And and it it's kind of come virally. I would say it has. I think that Facebook is probably responsible for a lot of it. Yeah. And uh, we're going to talk about its growth in a little bit. But one of the things you and I did, we were talking just a few moments ago. I thought it was recorded in an episode of Social Media Serenity, but it turns out that it was in one of our outside of the recordings, like a pre-show or post-show or just hanging out online on a live show Thursday. But you and I went through kind of just trying to discover what is Pinterest. And we went to their site and read the about and the you know description of who they are and stuff. And it seemed from reading it that this thing is pretty much geared towards women. Well, in fact, it is 97% user base of, of female. I would imagine that those numbers have already drastically changed. I And if I had to guess, and this is just a total shot in the dark, shot in the dark, if it was 97% women then, whenever, and by the way, when was that article posted? February 14th. February 14th. I would imagine it's already probably down to where it's only 90% women. And I imagine this is going to get to a place where ultimately, I think it'll be probably 60% women, 40% men. Well, I, and I already know personally of at least three to four cases where men have direct direct messaged women through Twitter to ask them for uh, invites. <laughs> nice. One of which, one of which was me. So <laughs> I have this friend who did this. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is so funny. All right, so um, I was digging. You know, obviously there have been all these stories on Mashable, and I've personally just kind of passed them over. I I I only had a. I only had a slight interest in Pinterest, but I really wanted to wait to see if it was really going to be a passing fad before I jumped on board with this one. 
Uh, I figured that if it was going to be something big, you would ultimately come to us for the social media segment and say, hey, we need to talk about Pinterest. And so I've been seeing all the articles from Mashable show up in the feed. I look at the titles and I just move forward. Well, last night, knowing that we were going to uh, talk about this, I went in and found all of the Mashable articles and sent them to my Kindle. And this morning, I went through and read each of those articles in full. And I did a little bit of that, you know, Kindle sharing to the web thing. And so I shared a bunch of quotes. And Eric, I'd love to go through these if you don't mind. And then I would love to hear some of the research that you found. Sounds great. The first thing I found was what is Pinterest? Now, this is from a Mashable article. And this is probably the clearest explanation of Pinterest, what it is, how it's best used, and and how it's designed. And Eric, do you want to read that for everyone? Sure. What is Pinterest? Well, Pinterest is a place to organize and share online images that you find interesting or inspiring. Once uploaded or shared on Pinterest, these images become known as pins, which the user can place on customized themed boards. You can create boards for any topic imaginable, from cats to classic cars to cats driving classic cars. The possibilities are endless. Okay, so... At face value, if you if you read that, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Why why would I just sit there and want to browse the web and look at a bunch of pictures that people posted on the web? Well, there's a lot of people that like to do that. And I've been known to kind of just be interested in just, you know, wasting a little bit of time trying to entertain myself and browsing through some really cool looking pictures. Mm-hmm. But the real power here is not communicated in this little paragraph. No. And, and that is that when you pinning a picture um and and by the way I, I read an interview with the creator the guy who designed pinterest and he said that you know he he always liked you know he always went around the web and he found really cool images and he would actually bookmark them and put them in a bookmarked folder and the problem was is that all it, it got so hard to really kind of categorize everything and always to find the resource of finding where that originally came from. And so therefore he came up with this idea of creating Pinterest. And the, the cool thing is, is that it's not just images online, but the images are this, it's kind of like this appealing thing to draw you in. And if you want more information about the story behind the picture, because there's what, what do they say there? You know, a picture is worth a thousand words, right? Well, there's got to be something behind this picture, something more that if this has grabbed my attention, it was so appealing that, man, wow, I want to know more about this picture. You click on it and it takes you to a place where you can find the original resource so you can dig to the site from where it came from. Or you can actually look at conversation. You can you can like it. You can ha- leave a comment to the person who pinned it, have ongoing threaded conversations. But I think the real power here and the real power for podcasters and brands is the fact that these things are generating links, inbound links into your website if you or someone else pins an image from your post, from your site. Yeah, one of the great ways to look at this is it is a visually, it's a collective of visually representation, visual representations of content that is aggregated by referral, basically, which with links back to the originator. Right. 
So one of the things that um, helped me with this description that you just read, you know, Pinterest is a place to organize and share online images. Okay, I get that. But here it's like, so how does this happen? Once you upload, these are these become known as pins. So all of a sudden, now we're introduced to what do you call it? You know, we have a, you know, Twitter does tweets. Facebook does status updates and a bunch of other places to do status updates. But anyway, um, but these are when you put something, when, when you put a picture on Pinterest, it is a pin. These are you have pinned that image. But yes. here's the other thing is now I all of a sudden now I understand that these things, every pin is pinned to a board. And and if you can just imagine like a cork bulletin board. And, yeah. and, and, and that's what you're doing. You're taking it. Let's just take you, you take a photograph that a physical photograph, and now you are pinning it to a cork board. Now it's a th- pin board of interest. It's a pin board of the things you're interested in. And what's cool is that you don't just get one board. You can create as many boards as you want. Now, here's the thing. I have two white boards behind me. And I honestly, I, I almost wish that I had an entire office that was nothing but walls so that I could have different boards for all the different things that I do. And with Pinterest, the idea is that you can. So you can have a, you could, Eric, create a board for uh, podcasts that I love. You could have a board for a, a board that is for the theme of books that I have read and absolutely recommend. You could have a book for a board for, um, you know, gadgets that I want to buy or and then you could have a, one for gadgets that I own and love. You could have all these different in, interests that you have and start pinning to those things. And and really, that's when you start thinking of that, it's uh, that's the main feature. That's the main functionality. So. We're going to move on to the next quote or the yeah the next quote from another article. What are the practical uses of Pinterest? So why don't you read that one for us? Okay. Some people create a board for each room in the house and then pin decorating ideas for that room. Artists use it to organize inspiring images for their work. Cooks keep an online recipe box. College students might create a shopping list of things they need to buy for school. I'll add in here that I know many female students who create a Pinterest board for their wedding planning. Mm -hmm. Do-it-yourselfers can bookmark tutorials for rainy day projects. Boards can have multiple contributors, so collaborate, collaborating with coworkers on a project is easy with everyone's ideas and inspiration in one place. Right, and I love this, especially like if you think about the 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 case scenario for somebody who wants to keep a recipe box. You know, the you know, instead of having the name or the title of the of the recipe, you've got the image. And isn't that when you're looking through a cookbook, isn't it the image that draws you? And, mm-hmm. it, and it's like, wow, that looks yummy. I wonder what that, you know, I wonder what's in that and how would I make that? And so you're going through and it's like, oh, there's that image. That's what I want to eat today. And yeah. then you click on it and it takes you to the original site that has the recipe and the ingredients. Yep. These so, bacon cupcakes look amazing. Exactly. And and I'll be <laughs> honest with you, I actually sometimes will just go to the public boards and there are some there are some things in there that I saw that look really cool. Like there was this image of a cupcake sheet turned upside down and somebody had made uh, chocolate chip cookies formed on the backside of a cupcake sheet. And I'm like, what the heck is that? And then I clicked on it and it says, you know, make ice cream, uh, chocolate, chocolate chip cookie ice cream bowls. 
Okay. So so basically Oh, I get it. Yeah. So you're using the cupcake thing as a mold, but you're putting the you, you turn it upside down and you put your cup your your cookie. It just looks amazing. It looked really cool. It's like, "Wow, that is a great idea. Now you've made yourself a chocolate chip cookie bowl with and you put your ice cream in it." Wow, that sounds really good. So just little ideas like that. And of mm-hmm. course, I, I wouldn't have gone searching for that, but no. did I find it intriguing? Heck yeah. And I found a lot of other things that I would never in a million years ever really care to go search for. That's like, wow, that looks really cool. And so I, I, I think this is powerful. And I think what it is, is there are many people who are visually in, brought into things. And, and this is why this is another point that I think is important to bring out for especially us content creators for the web. You know. Oftentimes, we talk about how important it is is to have a, a um, an image to go along with a blog post that kind of relates to your topic that is appealing, that draws people's attention. And before, it was just kind of like to have something as, you know, visually to kind of, you know, offset just the blah text by itself. But now, I can see that, wow, creating an image for your show notes or creating an image for your blog post that kind of get captures the feel, the overall essence of what you're trying to communicate in that piece of content, it is even more essential now because what happens is is people are going to be choosing to share your content, but nobody's going to put nobody's going to pin your content if you don't have a really nice looking image that's going to be visually appealing to show up on their board. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. So this, and by the way, I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of not always finding images and, and stuff like that for each of the pieces of a content. And uh, for Podcast Answer Man, I'm thinking, wow, the, I, I may have to actually go out there and really really get into my iStock photos again and, and start searching for some unique images for each posts. And, you know, I was already thinking about doing this for those times when people share my content on Facebook and they use those thumbnails. So with Pinterest, I think this takes the need for a high quality, really great image to capture people's attention and deliver the message of the essence of your content. It it takes it to a whole new level. Definitely. All right. The next uh, quote that I found was, uh, how do you pin things? So, Eric, how, how do we get, if you wanted to begin pinning things to your account, first of all, how do you get an account? It, it's still invite only, right? I believe it's still invite only, but I guess I'll advertise that if people want invites, I got in, so I will give them away. Right. And and it's crazy that it's invite only because everybody has an unlimited number right. of invites. So they could probably reach out to you what way? Twitter, Facebook, which do you prefer? Uh, either way is fine. It's it's twitter.com or facebook.com slash Eric with a K, the letter J, F-I-S-H-E-R. So there you go. Eric is giving away uh, invites to Pinterest. Hit him up and he will take care of that for you. All right. So uh, how do you pin things? Once how you that do you pin? Pinning's easy with the official pin it button, a simple drag and drop browser extension. When you come across an image you like, just click the button, select the corresponding picture. So it gives you kind of the options like when you drop a link into, say, a Facebook post, it gives you the option of clicking to decide which image you want. Assign the pin to the board, add an accompanying, any accompanying text, and you're done. 
If the pin is something you want to buy, include the price in the description and it will attach to the pin for easy reference. If you find inspiration on the go, take a picture with your iPhone. Right. Well, here, here's the here's the thing. And by the way, they don't have an Android app just yet. They do have an iPhone app. I'm sure that Android app is going to come soon for folks. But here's here's what it says. It says pinning is easy. Uh, it says simple or no. When you come across an image you like, click the button and select the corresponding picture. And this is a whole different way than I think about Pinterest. Instead, I think of it when you come across a piece of content when you come across anything on the web, not just a picture, but when you come across anything on the web that you like, then click the pin it button. And then what happens is, and just unlike um, a lot of these other services and even sometimes the Facebook preview, it gives you, it'll pull up a page of every single image that is on that page. Mm -hmm. Every image that's on that page. And you can choose any one of them to represent that content so then what you're able to do is is choose one of those images and like you said you can give it some corresponding text so it's kind of like you can add a little bit of detail of why did i pin this for example it's like hey i just really enjoyed this picture i thought it was great which communicates to me that i'm not telling you to go link back to the site i'm saying this is just a really great picture but if you want to click the image and it'll take you back to the original source which is really cool or what if I actually went went to an episode of somebody's podcast and I click on that to pin it and then all of a sudden it gives me the option to choose an image and let's just say I, I somebody that does a really great job of this is my good friend Pat Flynn from smartpassiveincome.com. Um, he always chooses some really cool images to kind of go along with the theme of what he's talking about. So I would choose that image and it's like, well, that image is cool but why are you pinning this cliff and i can actually say the reason why i'm pinning this is because this is a link back to an episode that pat flynn did where he talks about xyz definitely check out and listen to this episode and then all of a sudden now you pin that and boom now people see the image it captured their attention just like pat had intended for his blog post but now they read it's like oh cliff wants me to not just look at this cool image but he wants me to click on it so that i can go and listen to the podcast episode as well as the fact that it's you endorsing it. Exactly. So that relationship of whatever, you know, however, if they look up to you, if they know you personally, if they trust your references, then you've just referred them and given a strong reference to Pat Flynn. Exactly. And of course, the other thing that you can imagine is books. You know, you're shopping around Amazon or you're shopping around e-commerce sites and it's like, wow, you, you click pin it. And it's like, man, I, I so want this. And you, matter of fact, I just thought what a great pin, what a great uh, theme for a uh, board, you know, my wish list. Mm-hmm. This, see, because right now you've got all these other services that have these wish lists, but they're, you know, you have to friend people and, and all this other stuff. Well, this could be your public wish wish list that not just is inside the Amazon ecosystem, but it's the ecosystem of anywhere on the internet. I just thought I'm going to create myself a wish list. Yep. I can't wait. This is going to be great. So <laughs> I, anyway, uh, the next one is what if you want to just browse around for a little bit? Um, how do you do that? You can access the everything drop down menu and filter boards by category. And yes, there are a lot of non specifically female categories that you can check out. Uh, when you see a good pin, leave a comment, like it, or repin it to one of your own boards. 
Exactly. There's the, the, if you are not looking for something specific, this is I can tell you right now, this is so much better than stumble upon or even dig or even dig. Be. Yeah, this this is the, the the modernization of of that. I would agree. Now, the thing is with um, what was it called with, with uh, stumble upon? I remember in the day. I used to get lost in an endless loop of just hitting that stumble button and just losing hours of my <laughs> right. time. Uh, I would say that the same thing is possible with Pinterest. Well, it's definitely happening according to some statistics I have later. Okay. Uh, but here's the thing. I, I just want to say that while that is the case, if you can become disciplined, I still think this is a, is a great place to go for some fun and entertainment. If you're just looking to kill some time for you've got 20 or 30 minutes to blow, then by all means. But do make sure that you keep an eye on how much time you're spending on these services. Unless you've scheduled even more time to build your brand and create some strategies using this stuff. Which, uh, in fact, one of the strategies would be to expand your network. And I have a quote that I had pulled up on that one. What's that one say? Let's see here. If you find a board that is especially interesting, follow its updates or head to the pinner's profile and follow all of her boards. And the article (laughs) assumes that it's a woman. Yes. Like Twitter, it's an open network. So follows don't require permission and you don't have to follow anyone back. You can tweet or share pins on Facebook to help expand your network across all three services. I First and foremost, I love the fact that it uses the Twitter style of follows and that every, it just assumes that everything that you're doing is it's public, right? And any and you just know going into this, unfortunately, a lot of people don't know because they've, you know, they just don't know how these things work. But you're hearing it from us. Anything you post, anybody can follow you. Um, I, I, I would imagine you could potentially block somebody. I don't know if that feature is there yet, but I'm sure it will eventually come if it's not. Uh, but the thing is, is that anybody can follow you and you don't have to approve them following, which means it takes away that Facebook need of approving everybody before they can start seeing right. what you're putting out there. And uh, so it's it's more like a Facebook fan page than the old Facebook profiles. And it's actually more like the Facebook subscribe button that pretty much copied Twitter. So I, I really like the open follow. Uh, it really relieves a burden from you to approve or not approve people. And it does allow anybody to follow you regardless of whether they know you or not. I think this is great. Uh, the other thing that I learned is that uh, let's just say I, somebody repins something that you pinned, Eric. Okay. All right. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, wow, this this is a great pin that my friend pinned. And I click on your profile because I see you're the person who pinned this. And then all of a sudden I notice that you have this theme, this board that is all kinds of, you know, this you have this one board that's let's just say it's gadget tech gadgets. It's like, wow, almost everything on there is interesting to me. But then over on the left hand side, I see your profile picture and underneath it, it says follow all boards or it says follow all something. And so that that would be like Twitter on Twitter. I follow Eric Fisher. And you know what, Eric, maybe you have an interest in the ballet and maybe you have interest in that. What do they call that? Sports? Yeah, that's that's yes. So let's just assume you have interest in the ballet and sports. Two things I have zero interest in on Twitter. I follow you. And to be able to get your tweets about tech gadgets, I have to also put up with all of your sports tweets and all of your 
uh, ballet tweets. Mm-hmm. With Pinterest, I can choose to follow all of your boards or I can actually go through the boards that you have and say, wow, he's got a boards on gadgets. Definitely. I'm following just that board. And I'm also going to uh, follow his board on uh, tech tools, you know, or whatever. So I love the idea that you can follow boards individually and you don't have to follow the person overall. That's a great idea. Yep. Uh, the other thing they have is the at mention. And I think that's just a quick little note to say that you can at mention someone. So you can do at username and in the description uh, when you're pinning something. And so if I did at Eric J. Fisher or, or whatever your user ID is on Pinterest, you're going to get an by default, you're going to get an email notification that I mentioned you in one of my pins. Mm-hmm. So something good to know. Yes. So what about videos? You can do videos too. Most pins are photos, but you can pin videos. You hit the videos button at the top of the page to see everything from movie trailers to sewing tutorials to the latest viral videos. Yep. And one of the things for me, I have an entire tutorial called Learn How to Podcast. And I am it, this morning, I, now that I learned this, I went in and it's like, I'm going to create a board, you know, just one board for how to podcast. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I am going to also pin each of the eight videos. And I've already got the first one on and I'll add the other seven as soon as I have time. But here's the cool thing about this is, you know, this we're, you're going to tell us about the stats of, you know, where this website ranks these days and the fact that it's going to provide a link back to the original source of that video, which is learnhowtopodcast.com and all of this other stuff. This is going to be amazing. I think this is going to be great for SEO. Definitely. All right. So the next one is, uh, what about, is, is there any kind of word of caution maybe that we should use when we're promoting our business or brand on Pinterest? Oh, definitely. Like, well, and in most places, talking just about what your products are can be a bit of a downer. Same thing with Pinterest. It might seem like a natural place to promote your small business or large business for that matter, but do it with caution. It's frowned upon to spam your boards with nothing but your own products or projects. That doesn't mean it's outright banned, but you need to contribute more to the community if you want to stay in its good graces. Use this opportunity to build your brand by linking and connecting to people who share the same same style or by pinning images that inspire your company's work. You can use Pinterest for self-promotion. Just do it creatively. Yeah, and and this that's the case everywhere. You know, no Twitter, I think it honestly, I think you could get by a little bit more by creating some, you know, shameless self-promoting, you know, themed boards all promoting your products but the idea is to give to the community and also to promote others and it's not just about ourselves um but because people can follow just certain boards um i think it makes a lot of sense to create some boards that are devoted to some of your products and services yeah and i think that's that's great but again create some other boards and collaborate with other people repin other stuff um, and and be a be an active and good member of the community overall. I would say if you are passionate about your brand, which you probably should be, then on Pinterest you're going to have a board according to each of your different passions, and some of the products that your business does will be some of your passion. Right. There's no you don't have to make an excuse for it, but you don't need to overwhelm others with it either. So. 
Well, what, when I was playing around with Pinterest for the very first time, Eric, I signed up. I, I got an invite from somebody. I went in and said, okay, well, let's just see what this thing looks like. And the very first thing I did was I went to Amazon.com and I pulled up my Canon Vixia HFG10 video camera. It's like, wow, this is a, a you know, this is my favorite thing. I'm going to just go ahead and create a board, you know, things that I love or something like that. And um, I'm going to, I'm going to pin a link to where they could buy this on Amazon. Now, of course, I happen to have an affiliate agreement or arrangement with them. And so I went in and generated a link to, I, I pulled up the actual link using my affiliate code to pin to Amazon. And what I noticed is that when I had finished the pin, I actually clicked on the image. It took me to Amazon and I looked into the URL and guess what wasn't there? My affiliate code. Instead, it was very clear to me that uh, it seemed to have somebody else's affiliate code. What's that all about? Well, that's one of those things that they've had a little bit of a controversy about is is where they've, well, basically your your affiliate links have been overridden with something called skim links. And that's something Pinterest is doing. And it is in, like I read an article about this, it is in, not explicitly, but it is in their terms of service that you're using their free service and you're posting content, et cetera, and they you know, retain the right to do whatever they want to do, basically, uh, in, in my paraphrase. But when you're, when you're first posting things with a default link associated, the, it, well, the post will actually be generated by Skim Links, who's a, an affiliate to Pinterest to monetize on merchant offers. So once you create a pin, you may immediately go back and edit the URL of that pinned offer to include your affiliate link instead of the skim-linked override. But the thing to note is that it will not suffice to insert your affiliate link during the initial pinning. So you have to make sure to go back and edit the URL after you've pinned it. Right. So the idea here is that if you're, you know, if you're going to pin to something on an e-commerce site uh, where there is an affiliate program that Pinterest and Skimlinks might have also an affiliate relationship with, there's a very good chance that they're going to immediately use their affiliate code. But if you go to your pin, click the edit button, you can then, after the fact, after it's been pinned, you can go in and edit the URL that that picture links to, and it you can then put in your affiliate code. And so I just learned that this morning as I was reading that article, and lo and behold, I did that. And now if you go to the Canon HF G10 video, uh, uh, picture that I took, uh, uh, that I pinned, now if you click on it, it does pull up through my affiliate link, which this, my friends, I, I cannot underestimate just how huge this could be for affiliate marketing. So uh, that that's huge. Definitely. Definitely huge. Especially if you start pinning some things that have your affiliate and people repin and repin. Now, the only thing I don't know, Eric, is if you repin it, I wonder if it skim links it again. Mm, that's a good point. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we'll have to try that sometime. Yeah. But anyway, the, the last quote that I have is about becoming an expert on Pinterest. Do you want to read that one real quick? Sure. Uh, Becoming an expert, just as you would curate your personal brand across other social networks like Twitter, decide what topics you're most interested in 
and then dedicate yourself to those spaces. People will be more likely to follow rich, full boards than sparsely populated boards. And if you have time to dedicate your boards to a super specific niche, go for it. That's a little like what I was talking about earlier with basically create boards about your passions. And yes, your brand can be, let me rephrase that, all of the boards collectively is your brand, your personal brand. But one of those boards or multiple of those boards could be part, you know, based on the specific niche that is part of your uh, career-based brand if you're a small business owner. Exactly. So. So there you go. Um, that's what I that's what I found this morning. Oh, and one last thing, and I didn't put this in on, you know, I didn't share this on my Cliff's Kindle account on Twitter, but... Um, I did read that oftentimes, you know, some pictures are going to go viral, if you will, and they start showing up on everybody's boards. And so therefore they kind of get overlooked and glossed over. So they, you know, one of the recommendations is to pin new images often, you know, just, you know, if especially and when, when you want to repin some, if you want to see something that's been repinned and repinned, 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 maybe create a different link or choose a different image and go to the original source and pin and use a different image or something like mm-hmm. that. Choose a different angle. Exactly. So Eric, what else do you have? I, I know you did some research for us as well. I'd love to yeah. hear some other things that you found. Uh, well, I actually, I have an article here on PR daily, which is 17 Pinterest stats to show your boss or client, which in some cases is going to be you. All right. I'm not going to go through all 17. There's, I'm going to hit the highlights here. All right. And you'll send me a link so that I can uh, yes. link to this in the show notes. Yes. Excellent. Pinterest is retaining and engaging users as much as two to three times as efficiently as Twitter was at a similar time in history. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, Etsy is the top site in terms of source domains. For now. For now. For now. Google and then Flickr, Tumblr, Etc. Are, are the next following ones. Awesome. So Pinterest accounts for 3.6% of referral traffic, while Twitter just barely edged ahead of it for 3.61. Wow. Do, do you, is this the article with the stats of LinkedIn and the other surfaces combined? That's that's in here. Okay. Go. Okay. Yeah. Then keep going, my friend, because right. I can't well, wait to get to that one. Go that's ahead. One the, that's one of the next ones here. Pinterest is actually generating more referral traffic to websites than YouTube, Google Plus, and LinkedIn combined. Combined. Google, no, no, YouTube, who was it again? Who are the three? YouTube, Google Plus, and LinkedIn. Okay, so combined. YouTube, which uh, Google Plus. The second largest search engine in the world, YouTube. Yeah, well, that, exactly. Well, I'm, I'm thinking Google Plus, eh, whatever. Uh, LinkedIn, uh, I would say there, there could be something, but yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense as there's a lot of traffic. But it blows my mind that you add uh, Google Plus and LinkedIn together on top of, and, and just even YouTube alone, that blows my mind. Mm-hmm. But so so more referral traffic coming into websites from Pinterest than from those other three services combined. That yep. is so should podcasters, should people with brands be on Pinterest? Let that right there answer the question. <laughs> All right. So go ahead and go with this one as well. American users of the social network spend an average of one hour and 17 minutes on the site. Well ahead of Twitter, 36 minutes, LinkedIn, 17 minutes, and Google Plus, 
six minutes. Yeah. And it's so well over one hour. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Let's see here. Um, the the daily Pinterest users have increased by more than 145% since the beginning of 2012. Yep. And one-fifth of the Facebook-connected users are on Pinterest daily, which is, jeez, uh, my math is bad, 2, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0 members, however many that is. Is that two Six mi- zeros. Two million. Two million, yes. Yep. See. So, and, and I heard that they are going to far eclipse they're 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 on target for far eclipsing the number of users on Pinterest as compared to the number of users on Twitter. And here's one you might not know. Okay. In in the UK, the majority of Pinterest users are male. Okay. Fifty six percent male, forty four percent female. Wow. That that is very interesting. Or shall I say very Pinteresting. Yes. <laughs> And actually, here you go. Top interests on Pinterest in the UK are venture capital, blogging resources, crafts, web stats analytics, and SEO marketing. Mm -hmm. So only one of those would be traditionally or or stereotypically, I should say, only female. Let's just put it this way. There's only five people in the UK that know about Pinterest, and they're all (laughs) they're all all internet marketers. Yes. (laughs) I'm just that's a total joke. I, I think the the thing you have to keep in mind here, it is not just about female stuff. Absolutely. It's just that it's spread virally in that realm somehow first. Yeah. And by the way, there's it some other there's some other services out there that saw that this was very much geared towards females and and so I think there's this thing called gentleman and gentleman, yes. Yeah. I I, I just want to say gentle whatever. Um, don't, as far as I'm concerned, I've seen the, I've seen the twin, the twins, I've seen the twins, my friend, uh, you know, with Twitter, you know, yes, were there services that are out there that were created that are better than Pinterest or than Twitter? Yes, there were. Uh, what were some of the, what, well, one was, it was death by name. Uh, what was it called? I can't even remember the one you could never spell correctly. Uh, Leo Laporte went to it. Um, oh, I don't know. Exactly. See, it Voldemort. Was, <laughs> but no, seriously, uh, somebody's going to tell us in the. But it was one of those services, you know. But there was a bunch of other services that came out that were just like Twitter, but they were better. But why did Twitter stick? It's because it had it had the momentum and it mm-hmm. had already started to go mainstream. Chris Biting says, "Plurk, not a chance." No, it was um, it was something else. It had a really unique. Spelling and I and like I said, I can't even remember the name of it. JQ, that's it. J- oh yeah, it, you know it was called JQ, and JQ was a. It was so far better than Twitter, but by Twitter had already got, gained critical mass. And here, what's driving, what's driving Pinterest is the fact that it has the full support, full on support of Facebook. There's no question. The fact that five percent of users of Facebook are on Pinterest has everything to do with the fact that if you go to facebook.com slash Cliff Ravenscraft and go to my profile, Pinterest is actually a static thing on my page. And not many applications are that I have ever used or have the ability to do that. Yeah. And so I, I'm telling you, Gentle Mint and all the other, or gen, yeah, whatever, Gentle, whatever all those other things are, they're, they can try to copy this. They could have even came up with the idea. Pinterest is where it's at. 
Well, I even took a look at Gentleman, and uh, to be honest, I thought it was great, but I knew that the exact same stuff was also duplicated or being duplicated, I should say, from Pinterest. Yeah. In some of the the theme specific categories. So anything else that you wanted to share? Go do it. Yeah. Just go do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Now, do they have uh, like vanity profile URLs on this? How's that work? So like I'm on, let me go to Pinterest. I'm going to go to Pinterest.com and yeah, so I'm at Pinterest.com slash GSPN. So that, that's my Pinterest board. Uh, The thing is right now I have very little there and I may have very little there for the next uh, several weeks uh, or several days at least, but over the next several weeks, I am going to be engaging here. I, 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 I creating content. I think this is a service that is not a fad. It has it has hit critical mass, and I think it's only going to grow. And I think it's something that that podcasters and content creators and brands should be taking interest in. I just followed you. Thank you, sir. All right. Well, Eric, uh, if people wanted to ask you questions about social media, um, you you told me you would be completely open to that. Yeah. So. Uh, and I will. And actually, I will be willing to give away Pinterest invites. Sweet. That's awesome. So, so how are people going to contact you again? Best way to do it is either twitter.com or facebook.com slash Eric with a K, the letter J, F-I-S-H-E-R. Eric, thank you once again, especially for taking the extra time today for our social media segment uh, here on Podcast Answer Man. It's been awesome. You're welcome and happy pinning. Well, there you go, my friends. That is another full episode of Podcast Answer Man. I am so happy we finally had an opportunity to fully cover all that is Pinterest. Now you know what it's all about, and I hope that more people will get engaged. I think it has a wonderful opportunity for us. Hey, uh, real quick, I just want to say a special thank you to each and every one of you out there who are using the Bluehost affiliate link to sign up for your hosting account. If you have questions about your web host or having issues, check out podcastanswerman.com slash hosting for my thought on podcast hosting for your website and for your content as well. And uh, real quickly, last week, somebody had called in and asked, how do you keep the content flowing? And we shared a couple things last week and uh, there's been a little bit of commentary going on in the comment section from last week's episode. But I want to give a special shout out to Dave Stahoviak. Dave shared an amazing infographic that he found on Copyblogger over at copyblogger.com slash create hyphen content hyphen infographic. Here's the deal. I will put a link to this infographic in the show notes for this episode of Podcast Answer Man. What you want to do is just go to podcastanswerman.com slash 250 podcastanswerman.com slash 250 and in there you'll find a link to this infographic it is titled 22 ways to create compelling content when you don't have a clue just to give you an idea here there's curation you can compile a list of your 10 favorite blog posts you can do group brainstorming offline friends online friends blogger friends ask your readers hey guys you know here's a message on twitter what do you think about this uh, interview someone, 
Uh, number five, let a guest write for you. Number six, best case studies, worst case studies. Um, let's see here. Review something. Share your success. Share your failures. Relive the memories. Use name recognition. Go to a movie. Watch a TV show. Read a book. Read a comic book. Uh, trending topics. Celebrities. Um, take a walk. Watch a play. Expand your cultural horizons. Uh, 21 is getting personal and recycle. I'll tell you, there's a lot of uh, stuff that's included in this infographic that makes it a totally amazing resource for you when trying to come up with ideas of new content to cover on your blog or in your podcast. Thank you so much, Dave Stahoviak, for doing that. Of course, Dave Stahoviak is also a member of the Podcast Mastermind, and it is going amazing. My goodness, I can't wait to give it maybe another two or three weeks and then I'm going to see if some folks are interested in sharing some of their reactions of what it's been like to be in the podcast mastermind for just one month and I already have a feeling I know what they're going to say anyway God bless you all I'll be back again next week until then take your show to the next level